On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics with myself and Dave. Dave, how are you keeping? My teeth are fucking killing me. My wisdom teeth are bollocks. Absolutely I don't think we're ever going to have a happy episode with you No, starting. they're not. What's oh, wrong, no, what's wrong no, with seriously, your teeth? They're fucking killing me and I should go it's to the dentist talking, and get them though. taken out, but no, they're absolute... What? It's not stopping you talking though. No, that's, that's <laughs> fair enough, yeah. I'm also off cigarettes three weeks and I, I was, really want a fucking cigarette I was badly. you were cranky, all right. How are you finding that? Cantankerous. Huh? I was, gra- I was grand starting off because I went on the vape because that's what all the cool kids do. They oh, vape. you're one of those now? No, I started on the vape to wean myself off the lovely smell of cigarettes. And now I'm after weaning myself off the vape after three weeks. And <laughs> I'm a bit shaky. <laughs> a bit shaky. Running marathons now next. No, yeah. fuck that. No, no. no. And no. I wouldn't mind, but like, Everyone knows the reason that you smoke is because smokers are cool. Like, and now I'm not cool anymore. No, I wouldn't agree with you. But anyway, <laughs> no, I wouldn't agree with you anyway. And then to wrap things up again, so I'm in a cantankerous mood anyway. And then I arrived in, and behind me, which I know the audio listeners can't necessarily see, but on YouTube you'll be able to see it. I've got a shelf with a jar of jelly snakes and a jar of jelly beans, which are meant for ornamental use only. And I came in earlier on today, and they're fucking half of them are gone. I'll actually get up and show people. Like, yeah, unbelievable. We say nothing, will we? One week. One week, and he ate all the fucking jelly snakes, and absolute disgust. You're still eating them? <laughs> You're still eating the jelly babies? Oh my God, like, we spent months building this set. I did. Yeah. And you're fucking eating I did. Them. <laughs> <laughs> you did, to be fair, yeah, to be fair. They were, I did not buy the jelly snakes. But, but uh, now, other than that, I'm, nah. Um, but other than that, I am, um... Other than that, I'm great. Good. By bar my teeth, me nicotine craving, and you eating the set, I'm happy out. I will say one thing, though, in fairness, for once again, for the old visual watchers of it, you got away with the ice cream stain out the front of your t shirt on the way down. Did I spill it on the way and I got myself a 99. <laughs> we got a, lovely, we got a lovely 99 on the way down, and he decided to put half of it down the front of his top. Was, yeah. Um, but you did come to a little um, a revelation of a product inside in uh, Century. Did you bring it with you? You were going to show no, it no. off. Oh, he didn't come to the revelation at all. Our producer, Owen... Well, brought the idea to <laughs> He did, yeah, he gave us the idea. This is, we're, st- we're stuck this week, lads, for a bit of content. So basically, he went in and got... Uh, and again, audio listeners, bear with us for 30 seconds here because you won't be able to see it. But he got one of those, you know those yogurts where there's a top bit, which is like granola, and then the bottom bit is, is yogurt. I like the way I'm describing this to you, like a child, basically, yeah. a, a topping, a yogurt with toppings on it. And it came with a spoon... And the spoon is the most tragic thing in the fucking world. It's basically like a, it's a piece of paper that you fold over and there's a photograph of a fork on the back the of best, it. That's it's the best It's absolutely <laughs> fucking tragic. All the misery in the world is wrapped up in that. And it wasn't a cheap yogurt either. What I'm laughing at is someone was paid thousands to come up with that idea probably. Well, probably. Some, it's a disgrace. Someone had a brainwave one day and said, you know what? And get rid of that All piece of paper. All the ink is coming off. Oh, it's actually horrible. Like, like how could you fucking like... Put it in the bar of the jelly beans there, or the jar of the jelly beans. We use scoop. Nah, you're all right. So, what have we got on the show this week in terms of the alcoholic beverage? Uh, this week, you brought we me. have, yes, I went shopping to the alcohol store and I got uh, 
8 degrees brewing, which is apparently naturally adventurous, according to the, the, the can. And to be fair to them, so I'm cheating a little bit. I know what this can tastes like, the one that I'm drinking, and I think it's one of the nicest. He looked, he looked after himself have. this yeah. week. Um, now, I got you... Um, I have a sunburnt Irish red ale. Yeah, and I've got an easygoing IPA. Um, and one of the things I liked about this, actually, is that... Do the way I'm always on about the descriptions, and they're fucking stupid? This is actually not too bad. <laughs> so while I, read, while I read the story... Go for it. Yeah, so... Woven deep into the fabric of Irish society and tradition is the session, an informal coming together of people in a pub over a beer to play music, tell stories and enjoy each other's company. For the best kind of session, you need a low alcohol beer packed full of flavour. Grab a can and enjoy the crack. That's nice and simple. Nice. nice and simple. Tells a nice story. There's no fucking foggy mountains and the horse coming down from the hill and all this kind of stuff. It's actually quite nice. My, I like my, it. my one takes a, has a go at the gingers. All right. Uh, like an Irishman on holidays in the Canaries, this beer has a red glow with a chilled out mellow feel, a traditional Irish style with a twist. The distinctive caramel notes are balanced with a bitter orange hoppy aroma. Goes really well with roast pork, lamb burgers, or a venison stew, a bit more upper class, this one, obviously. <laughs> and don't miss a chance to try it with an Irish washed rind cheese. But be aware, keep out with direct sunlight. Yeah, a bit fucking posh. No, you're always that one. Yeah, 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 a bit, yeah. bit posh. My one comes with, um, what did you say yours goes with? Um, Where is it? Um, roast pork, lamb burgers, or venison stew. Mine goes well with pizza and chips. <laughs> <laughs> See the class difference um, in these. One nice thing here actually is that the actual name, which I've only noticed now. Um, so oh, do you know why it's called Eight Degrees? I saw well, just to the fact that I just read it. Yeah, oh. go ahead and tell so it's me. It's located. So Ireland is located uh, eight degrees west longitude, which, as it happens, is also the perfect serving temperature for their beer, which is nice. Hmm. You forgot to mention where they're from. Uh, Mitchellstown, Mitchellstown Not too far from where we're recording actually Undisclosed location Undisclosed location asking us where we are We can't tell anyone Can't tell anyone So um, we were actually laughing during the week There's nothing really actually popped up this week In terms of marketing or news So we're kind of I would say that's the end of us for tonight But no <laughs> There's there's not a whole we're lot of um, you, you, know, you know And I'm fucking spending the first 15 minutes Giving out about my wisdom teeth That we're in fucking trouble for content But Looping back a little bit on um, On what we were talking about last week Where we were on about Netflix and original content and kind of changing in marketing paradigms and how through changing marketing paradigms, there are different opportunities for um, brands to grow their own equity in terms of meaning and all the rest of it. So one of the ways that we said that was happening was through Netflix's original content, whereby brand storytelling has gone, in some cases, completely long form, or in some cases, they're just embedded via product placement and stuff like that. And the example that we gave was Drive to Survive, which is the F1 kind of behind-the-scenes series. And just today, basically, um, Volkswagen's uh, premium brands Audi and Porsche have said that they will join Formula One after convincing the German automaking group that the move will bring in more money than it will cost. As in, like, they're actually joining, putting cars in the races. They're putting cars in the races, yeah. So basically, at the moment, it's looking like Porsche are going to partner with Red Bull, which makes sense as a partnership. And then Audi were originally linked with McLaren, but now it looks like they're going to probably go in with Williams or Aston Martin. Now, ultimately, they're not putting their own... No, 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 the partnerships. Okay. Which makes more sense. Um, so the so ultimately, I think what this shows, and again, the, the key here was that quote that it will make more money 
putting these brands into F1 for the Volkswagen Group than it is to leave them out. And that shows you again the power of F1 and that's true Netflix in terms of people associating certain types of brand associations and certain meanings with Netflix ultimately is what it's You see about. the amount of the brands that go and get involved in stuff like this and some some form of sports and stuff like that in terms of sponsorship. But like Formula 1 itself, it's there's a serious amount of money spent in that in terms of getting involved in the teams and up and going like that. There's big, big money in, involved in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh no, multiple millions. Like, But again, it comes back to... So like the one of the f- most fascinating marketing case studies is Red Bull because the logic behind Red Bull is that they don't actually they make a profit off of their marketing yeah. because they've got like Red Bull crushed ice involved in the F1 extreme sports all that kind of stuff you right he jumped from the the universe from the, the the outer layer or whatever you call it remember he jumped off the thing and skydived oh, down the, they fell up the, from space yeah yeah from space yeah I know, stick with that because I can't think of the word was say it was from space I, I know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about and everyone else knows what they're talking about but I can't remember Someone it can let us know what I'm actually trying but, to say but ultimately, like, I mean, if you look at some of the stats, so in terms of Formula One fandom in the United States, it's up about 33% since 2020, and that's mainly thanks to um, thanks to Netflix. Um, more than half of the self-identified F1 fans say that Netflix series Drive to Survive played a role in bringing them on board, which is, again, massive. That's a great word nowadays. What's that? Self-identified. Self-identified. Yeah, self-identified as an (laughs) F1 fan. Um, And then nearly three in four fans under the age of 45 um, attributed their fandom, at least in part, to Drive to Survive. Um, And ultimately their sales in terms of merchandise have grown 40% globally since 2020, which is around where the kind of show launched. So there's, again, it just showed the the stats prove it out. Nowadays, and again, this is because of Netflix, car brands are seeing an opportunity to grow their equity in other consumer domains not just f1 and that's because the fandom base is is opening up it's more mass market you've now got people who are watching f1 who previously wouldn't have watched it or don't even understand the sport necessarily but they're interested or they're invested in drivers because the personality of the drivers is coming through through that particular show that was something that didn't happen before so just to kind of loop around again tonight to last week, I think it's interesting to see different opportunities for brand growth. And the other loop around to last week we won't get into because there's actually not much after happening in the last week in terms of Mr. Musk, ta- Mr. Musk taking over the world. We spoke last week about him, the possibility of making the deal. We weren't sure if it happened or not because it happened just as we were coming on to record, but thankfully we didn't make too much of an Egypt of ourselves and actually did go here. So we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of days. He's like the train, like the train company. He's not there yet, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Pulling into the station. What other bits of news have you got? Um, so beyond that, and this is a kind of a, again, this is a bit more, a bit more heavy, I suppose, than Formula One and fucking Netflix, but, Take a drink, the so. European Commission, yeah, you take a break there for yourself and let me do all the work as, as per usual. So, ultimately, at the moment, uh, the European Commission has accused Apple of abusing its market position um, in relation to contactless smartphone payments. And this emerged specifically from a case they took against Apple last year um, in relation to the music industry. So, Spotify essentially accused Apple of engaging in um, anti-competitive behaviour which to be fair to Spotify they have a point in terms of the dominance that Apple has over um, over that particular brand so one of the main issues that you'll have with a company like Apple being so dominant and again in the same way that everyone gives out about Facebook in terms of their neglect for consumer privacy 
you can have the same accusation of Apple, but not for privacy, but in terms of free market competition. So if you've got Apple Music and you've got Apple Pay and 50% of the population is on iPhone and they therefore need to use the App Store to actually get access to apps, if you have Apple with brands in that App Store that they want to control and want them to be more profitable then obviously they're going to want them to be top of the mm. the um the app store chart um and they're also going to extract inordinate amounts of money from their competitors which is ultimately anti-competitive so a lot of people would know this if you purchase something via spotify in terms of subscription and you use apple pay apple take 30 percent of that so immediately if you take um spotify's um revenue 30 percent of that immediately goes to apple and if you think that the main competitor to spotify is apple music you can see how that is, is an that, immediately a very very difficult environment for spotify to operate in i'm not sure if you know now but would, is that just that kind of stuff or would it be actually like in-store transactions as well it's in yeah it's, it's in-app purchases effectively it's okay. what it's focused on so if you have um so and again there's there's different rules and layers and regulations here for example if for example you order something on deliveroo that is not going directly to Deliveroo. That's going to a restaurant, yeah. so therefore yeah, yeah. it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily take it off that. But again, it's um it, it's for for a company like Spotify, it obviously makes their lives very very difficult. Um, but they're at they're at the like Apple, they're at the level that they can call these kind of shots. Do you know that they can kind of just take control of whatever parts they want? Because as you already said, like fifty percent of the market is using their phones or products or whatever it is. Now, me personally, like you have one of those stupid phones there in front of you. I'm not an Apple user, like so I don't have to worry about this oh, I love Apple. It's great. But it just shows you the power that Apple has, that it's able to just kind of come in, take control, saying, yes, no, we don't want you on your platform. We want you on your platform. Like even going back to the whole iOS thing, um, like it just shows, like as you said, 50% of the market are using their products, they're using their services. If you so they own can. the distribution channel, then you have control of over course, the terms yeah. and conditions of everything that goes up. Ultimately, is what is what you're saying, and you're absolutely spot on. It's a monopoly. But the answer to that: don't use an Apple phone. You have a shite phone in front of you. Use a good phone. Yeah, but that's not that's not the solution, though. That doesn't work because fifty percent of the world are smart, which is my exactly using an Apple phone. So, um, but like ultimately, I suppose the the key here isn't again. I don't believe in consumer led revolutions. Is going to be if they engage in anti-competitive activity, then they should be punished for it mm. by someone like the EU. So just to give an example, and these tech firms, your Facebooks, your Googles, your Apples, they break the rules constantly, but ultimately the punishment that they receive doesn't outweigh the revenue generating capability they attain from engaging in somewhat illicit activities. So under the current uh, kind of legislation, they could be fined up to 10% of their overall global revenue. Mm. That would equate to a fine of about $36.6 billion. Um, if it's any more than $1 billion, I would be surprised. So effectively, they're gaining this huge advantage, generating a huge amount more revenue. But yet because of the um, because of the lack of control that the European Union or any legislator has over them, they ultimately keep on doing what they what they want. And again, just to give another example of this, so we're obviously based in Ireland here, right? And last year, uh, Facebook were found to be guilty of a data breach. Um, they were they were fined seventeen million, <laughs> which is less than not point zero zero whatever. Pocket it's very, money. It's absolute pocket change. So again, 
unless these companies are actually held to account and punished by actually going after yeah. them fiscally, then they keep on ultimately breaking the rules. And again, ultimately what this does is that it cripples innovation. Spotify is an incredibly innovative yeah. company. One of my favorite companies definitely out there in terms of what they've done to disrupt that overall industry, but also just in terms of the brand, what it represents and so on and so forth. Um incredibly hard to compete against the biggest company in the world where they're taking 30% out of your top line to start off yeah. with you know so that's the way it is um suppose the other big thing that we kind of spotted this week looking over all the news and we we talk all the time on this podcast about you know digital social uh, marketing campaigns online whatever it is all the online kind of side of stuff and digital disruption but what we've noticed last week there was a bit of a trend last week in a couple of articles being released around the whole area of pop-up shops experiential marketing but more traditional element of things you know um and that kind of stemmed on mainly from the release or the launch of a new store in london from coca-cola and um, that they're now opening up their own store in, Cov- in covent garden and um, selling merch coca-cola accessories you can customize your own coca-cola can all this kind of stuff i think they even have their own bar in there we'll see if it's better than theirs um so like they're 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 going back to basics i suppose and back to giving that kind of well, not even back to basics for them because they never really done it. But like over the last year, uh, two years, I think since since kind of COVID broke out, they put a direct to consumer e commerce platform where they were selling. I think it was your Coca Cola, basically the stuff they're selling in the shop. I think you could buy it online, but now they want to bring that customer experience side of stuff. They want to bring that physical side of stuff. What do you think of a? Makes sense. Look, touch, feel. That's what again, as I, as I always just say it um, when you're advising brands. If someone is buying from you online or they're interacting with your social media account, that's fine. That's swiping right on Tinder. You actually want to go on the date, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's that kind of, um, you need to actually, again, that idea of you going into a Coca-Cola store, then making like a mocktail or something like that for you, or, you know, going through the history of Coke. I don't know exactly why. I know they're after partnering with a lot of kind of London fashion um, brands, brands yeah. as well in terms of a kind of a collaboration. But those kind of immersive experiences are the ones that consumers want. And you can see it even with um, brands that were fully direct-to-consumer. Gymshark are after opening up um, a new permanent store on Regent Street. But, but that makes sense for them because they're, you know, they're a fashion retailer. Do you know, it makes sense for them. It makes sense for them to have a physical uh, pop up, not even a pop up store, a physical store like like Jim Plus Coffee here. Like they're opening stores left, right, and center. It makes sense for them over probably Coca Cola more so. No, it's ev- no, it's ev- every every single brand has some sort of again a touch free lived experience that they can use to activate their um, that they can use to activate their customers. So if you go to, for example, so um, a brewery, yes. learning the history of the brewery is gonna make is gonna create a bigger and more um kind of um a more resonant or a more vested attachment between you the consumer and that actual brand because you've heard the story you've seen the stuff actually being made and so on so therefore you've an affinity for it and again it's the classic someone goes up for a pint um and the idea that they know that story and they can tell all their mates about it again is going to make you want that to makes buy sense, that but then drink. i want to go and do this in the coca-cola factory not in the shop in london do you know I want but, it does, but everything can't be everything can't be a brewery experience yeah. you know what i mean so even again this idea of like you said there that they had a kind of a coca-cola bar in there mm. so this idea of them doing sessions whereby you're showing how to use coke and yeah, cocktails yeah. Or, or mocktails whatever the case is. so there's different things that they can do it's the same with iphone iphone and all of their ice stores when they created 
um, when Steve Jobs basically decided that I'm going to take 500 million out of the online budget and put it into investing in stores 20 years ago, it was one of the most genius marketing moves out there because again, now people could go into the stores, they could touch, feel the, feel the actual phones in and of themselves, they could play around with them and nowadays you've got people going into Apple stores learning how to do Photoshop, how yeah, to make yeah. TikToks. How to, so they're almost like the, the they're town hubs. hall. Yeah. They're hubs, yeah. essentially. So Once again, I just makes total sense. The breweries all make sense. It's just a shop for Coca-Cola. It just doesn't... I'd rather a pop-up event somewhere like you know not fully fledged but coke, they do so. that as well again this is just a yeah, I know, string I know, to yeah. their bow it's yeah. in London it absolutely works and there are ties in with all the fashion retailers this is absolutely look they can't keep them they can't keep the cash forever it's to get 100%, rid of it somewhere 100% it's absolutely 100% going to work but even tying it back to what we were saying last week about um, when we were talking about Netflix and I was talking about how do you leverage um physical spaces or physical infrastructure assets against digital offerings so mm. that was i was saying that disney plus is the advantage over netflix because have the parks, disney have the parks yeah. so if you take someone going to a park and again this is all about the omni channel right? it's the integration between the offline and online when you go into a disney park you have something called i think it's a magic band and that basically tracks all of your activity in the park in and of itself what rides you went right. on what you shop for what stores you were in all that kind of jazz if Disney have all of that data about you, yes, yeah, then you. are they going to be able to show via regression analysis some correlation between they went into whatever store it was on Dis- on Hollywood Boulevard yeah. and then they went to the hotel that evening and they watched this particular Disney show? Yeah, because Something everything is synced up. Yeah. Exactly. So it's the integration between the experience, um, the e-commerce and the, the tech, which is really, really important for all of these brands. And again, Coca-Cola have their direct-to-consumer offering now. They want to get people into that store, capturing email addresses, getting purchase behavior, and ultimately it's just another string to their bow. It's like a, it's like a, um, so I, so in the city where we are, every Christmas there's a pop-up. I knew where he was going to bring this to. He had to get the plug in when I said pop-ups. I knew this. Go on. What? Guinness store. Oh, no, I thought you were going to give a, a plug to a Cork City's store. In, in in Douglas no that's not a pop-up store well, not a pop-up store but normally no, you give it no, a good old plug yeah exactly yeah so, give it anyway, a plug so well we basically so basically in the in on Patrick Street you have the Guinness store and uh, there was a joke I saw on Twitter basically where you have this idea of a tourist coming over and not really knowing what Guinness is but they know that it's a world renowned brand and they come out of the Guinness store and go oh my god I didn't know what Guinness was it appears that they're actually a worldwide distributor in key rings and t-shirts yeah, <laughs> and you know sell that's, anything it's doesn't matter what it's like you've got these people now from the co- walking around and basically moving billboards yeah. like you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and that's what essentially Coke are going Gem- to achieve Jemison here. do it very well actually if you ever go down to the, the distillery experience down even in Middleton that one up in Dublin as well same again now you can buy everything and anything in there with, with Jemison on it yeah. oh yeah sell everything it's like, it's like when people always talk about oh Joe earned media on mm. social media that earned media has been around for years when people either wear jer- football yeah. jerseys with sponsors on them or they wear Guinness t-shirts or any of that kind of stuff that's where all that earned media was traditionally and it's just now re-articulated in a digital world where and again for me it's about that integration of the tech, the data, and the e-commerce side of things. But then it's also about actually creating that bigger connection between the consumer and the brand, which you will never get just from an online experience. Mm. So anyway, midway point, you enjoying your sunburnt Irish red ale? Do you know what? You've done you good this week. It's actually very nice. Um, I'd recommend it. 
And you like red ales anyway, don't you? Normally, well, if anyone wants to send me a red ale, I'll gladly take it, yeah. But oh, and again, just so everyone that knows, again, hashtag not ad. Not ad. We were not paid for this. We bought this out of our own money. Um, we don't know anyone from 8 Degrees Brewing. Um, we are not related to anyone from 8 Degrees Brewing. Nothing to do with 8 Degrees no. Brewing, basically. So, so uh, as you said, all the Twitter warriors can, our Twitter warriors can calm down. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good yeah, choice. Now, again, it. if anyone wants to send us um, free beer or if anyone <laughs> wants to pay for a sponsorship, then if we the are want to send in more of this, I'll gladly take it. quite exactly, nice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, again, a bit more than just for the podcast, please, if at all possible. The after party. The after party. So other than that, then, I believe this week there was some... I suppose interesting marketing activity happening over in the US with Taco Bell, who are kind of renowned for their, let's call it eccentric marketing campaigns. This one's definitely eccentric anyway. They've decided to put a drag show on tour in all of its top um, top restaurants and locations around cities around the US, basically to promote that they're in support of the LGBT community and that they fully support it. Um, it's basically being brought on by obviously the the popularity in the last couple of years around the whole you know RuPaul's drag races and all, or drag shows and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting I read is like it was almost like the the small print in the the press release or whatever I read it was like all these great things about what they're going to do and the shows and all that. But then on the very bottom there was like a subliminal message that says, and secondly this could uh, this could vouch for a, a recruitment try for staff because of the labour shortages because they're going to use basically the publicity they're going to get this about a great place to work for and all that. So it's, an int- it's, an in- it's an interesting concept. Like, I mean, we do know that across the world, pretty much at the moment because of COVID and a variety of other different factors, people have switched careers, people have moved out of cities, um, people have identified different career paths um, for themselves that they didn't think of beforehand. So, like, I mean, one of the ones that's obvious is that chefs have decided yeah. that I don't want to work long hours anymore and they kind of found a new kind of lease of life for themselves during COVID. So, look, there's labour shortages at the moment. Um, if they think that this is going to make themselves more attractive to p- presumably a younger um, demographic, then yeah. all power to them more so than anything else. As long as, again, they follow through with it. Like there's, I, I don't believe in this kind of whitewashing or greenwashing whereby companies look all very, very friendly and inclusive and kind of... Treat um, you like shit when they get you in the door. You, when you, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So again, it's important that nowadays that all these brands actually follow through with what they said that they would do, um, which I think is important. And more generally speaking, I think businesses are going to have to look at restructuring how they actually make themselves more attractive to prospective um, to prospective employees. So one brand that got hammered last year was BrewDog. Mm. And if you remember, I think they called themselves the um, or Punk Rebels or something like that. And it was basically the ex-BrewDog oh, yes. yeah, they were, they employees. Protested or yeah. whatever, or boycotted them. Yeah, yeah. They basically said that... It's not a great place to work for. Basically. Not a great place. So despite, again, them being crafts, yeah. again, a very kind of a very kind of an artisan type brand mm. and you'd expect given James Watt who's the CEO comes across as very very personable mm. um, and again their advertising is very very kind of inclusive orientated like they were they were supporting um, causes long before a lot of the mainstream yeah. brands were like you know and they continue to do so so what BrewDog have basically done this week and again I didn't agree with that by the way if you remember that podcast they basically said if you're growing a company at the rate that Blue Dog has you're going grown, to make mistakes. you're going to make mistakes. Especially it's going to be cultural challenge, challenges, issues, and so on and so forth. There's, there's even there's a great post. I think we might mention at the time uh, from James Watt that he put out that 
he's this is his first time basically doing something like this. He was a was a fisherman or something like that before. Exactly. Like you know, so like yeah, of course they're going to make mistakes, and and we've been involved in business enough like to to see people making mistakes in front of us, uh, in terms of management or HR or hiring, firing, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be mistakes, yeah. and there has to be a rootlessness. Like I mean, what I think the the issue or the kind of line that was used when they were having these issues was that it was a kind of a growth above all else attitude, which if you're gonna build a billion multi, plus multi. Con- like it's gonna have to be um it's gonna have to be rootless so you can kind of understand where that kind of stuff comes from but today um brewdog basically announced that james watt is i think after basically donating i think it's 3.7 million not dollars but actually 3.7 million um shares in brewdog to um the bar staff effectively now that doesn't really mean anything. It's worth about 5% of the overall company, but unless there's an event whereby either that company is floated on the stock exchange or whether it's bought, yes. it's not worth anything, right? Because you don't get anything unless there's a mm. dividend paid out. But beyond that, then, they've also put in place a policy whereby 1,500 of their bar staff will actually share 50% of the profits for each of those individual bars, which... They work out, I think, roughly speaking, it'll mean a salary increase of somewhere between 3K to 5K for every single one of those employees, which for employees on um, pay by hour is a huge, huge yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't, like, and I'm being involved in bars before and stuff, I don't see that as a huge issue. More so far if you're in a managerial position or the actual maybe, you know, general manager or one of those pubs, you know, because then you have an invested interest in making that pub, you know, from, from both sides, but from a business point of view, for James Watt, it makes perfect sense because now he has actual people that are invested in making sure that business succeeds, uh, boosts its revenue, and is run properly and get the bad eggs out, if that makes sense. Putting it across all the staff, it's probably more so messy from them than anything because, you know, bar staff, like everything, there could be high turnover, student uh, staff coming in for the summer, all this kind of stuff. So unless you kind of just keep it along your core well, management. It's, it's like, 1,500 you know, staff, so I presume there's a mechanism there where yeah. why you have to be there for a certain, certain amount of time years. or yeah. whatever the story is, but... I think I think it's interesting, and again, look, they're they're an exception, right? You can't give away fifty percent of your profit if your your standard Every, every, SME. Everything they do is just like they do so many things. Now we've talked about in terms of just raising awareness of the business, getting the name out there. Like we another thing they done the last week now is um they bought three or four vans or something like that, placed them into the Ukraine. Basically, they're as far as I know, they're driving in and out with supplies. You know, and that's as you already mentioned. He does all these kinds of supplies. It was actually transporting people who didn't want to take. I'm not sure. I didn't actually fully something, look. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Anyway, but he 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 just does all these things where it's environmentally friendly, sustainable. You know, planting trees. Um, we've talked before about giving the turn the, the the brewing companies into the hand the hand sanitizers. Yeah, you know all that kind of stuff. So, as, look, we are big fans of him here, um, and they are doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, I think the look the main thing here is that I think it's and it's something that and we have one coming to Cork, not too far away where we are. Are we invited to the the, the grand opening? Do I do a big? Or can we get invited? We'll, prote- we'll pretend that we're invited. And we'll we'll hope we'll hope we'll be the best there. Is the <laughs> we'll be there exactly. Yeah, we're not invited, but we'll be there. We're hanging um, outside the door, hoping exactly, someone brings us in. Exactly. Yeah, but um, no, the, like I think look the, the key message here is that and again I like the brand. I went to one of their pubs in London, mm. got the spicy chicken burger as everyone who watches on YouTube knows, I am bald. There was sweat dripping <laughs> from me head. I was with two of my mates. They were absolutely in convulsions, laughing like way too spicy for me. But really, really good experience. Um, but the main thing here, I think, is that regardless of their brand, um, in terms of consumer-facing side of things, we've had a lot of innovation in 
let's call it HR in terms of gig economy workers yeah. with Deliveroo again for better or for worse and um, you've got a lot of uh, technology enabled freelancers now so that's your fivers of this world and enabling that kind of side of them um, that kind of side of things um there hasn't been a huge amount of innovation in that kind of, you know, SME kind of mid-tier kind of space whereby if you do have a staff shortage, how do you attract the best and the brightest I've, bar I've staff, seen it. whatever the story I've is? I've seen it with, um, there, there's there been companies there that set up almost like agencies where, you know, yes, I need two or three staff for tonight, send them in. The only issue is, you know, obviously they could be very, very good at what they do, but they're going to spend the first hour or so training them in the night, showing them where things are because every bar, restaurant, club, you know, whatever it is, every one of them is different. So obviously, yes, some of the drinks might be the same, but even at that, the offering could be different. Could be a cocktail bar, could be a gym bar, could be, you know, you have to know your stuff. So like to be going into those as a gig economy kind of style thing for the bars, I don't think it fully works. I just think it can get quite messy. Yeah, look, it depends on the industry, but I like, like, and again, this is, I think, more of a, it is a bit of an Irish thing rather than it being kind of more of a European thing. But like, I mean, I like going into bars and knowing who the barman is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there is that kind of personalization as well. Sorry, it works for a nightclub where you you could you're not going to stand there talking to the bar, no. the person behind the bar. But whereas a pub, yes, you will. You will yeah, speak exactly. To whoever's so, behind the look, bar. I think again that familiarity is important. Um, and even just having good friendly staff, like I work with a number of SMEs. I know you've worked in hospitality. Um, and even from a consultancy perspective, one of the main things that you'll always look at is your customer service, mm-hmm. because as you'd always say. If you sell, let's just say you're 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 selling um you're selling burgers. Let's let's for example, if you can get your sales staff to add a can of coke yes. and chips to that's every huge... single one of those burgers, let's say you sell a hundred in a day over a year, that is the difference between you making a hell of a lot of money and you barely breaking even. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Depending on the mechanics of your overall business, so having well trained staff generating one loyalty, one having high quality, but then also that salesmanship thing of. Oh, I'll, do you want an extra yeah. can of coke or do you want chips or whatever the story is that bit of marketing I still think is fundamentally important you always bring it in as well in terms of that relationship building side of things and that in-store experience which yeah. we kind of touched on earlier on
Right, so moving on. Any other news there? Um, let me have a look. Take your time, why don't you? Take my time. My notes, I clicked out of the notes on my app. But anyway, the big news actually, um, Netflix has, believe it or not, cancelled the development of Pearl, an animated series created by Meghan Markle. Yeah. Um, also, KFC have teamed <laughs> with Pro Flowers to introduce Kentucky Fried Bouquets. They've done what? They, so now you can get a DIY floral arrangement that includes flowers and chicken. So not a bucket, a bouquet. A bouquet, as a bu- in Lady of the House speaking. This is bouquet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is bouquet. I wonder if they're still knocking about. Who? Is Anslow still on the couch? Are like, they knocking with, about? With a kit. Oh no, they were knocking about <laughs> for a long time before then. Um. So yes, yeah, so what they decided to do is this weekend, not like here in Ireland, they decided to go different, obviously, to everyone else. And May 8th this weekend is Mother's Day. And you can now buy your mother a DIY floral arrangement that includes flour and chicken. So, so chicken, so a floral uh, arrangement with uh, chicken, fried chicken and flowers. And flowers. Who the fuck? What says I love you, mom, more than a bouquet of fried chicken? That's disgusting, actually, to be honest. That's absolutely. Well, I'd say my they, God. They, they might get a few orders because Mother's Day apparently in the US is the busiest day of the year for them, where they have about four hundred thousand buckets of fried chicken ordered for online orders and deliveries that day. No, so. that's no, no, no. That's fine because that's just people buying fried chicken, which is fine because there's nothing wrong with fried chicken. It's really, really there's nice. There's nothing wrong with fried chicken, but yeah. there's something wrong with the fried chicken yeah. in the bucket. Oh, no, no, but this, is my, this is my thing so it's, it's the highest number of chicken ordered or whatever that's mm. fine but which I'm also surprised comes... about that the busiest day of the year is Mother's Day over there for them for KFC yeah. but it's not going to be Christmas Day is it it's... do you know it'd be no because it's, it's, you know, it's an easy one for people going home to their mom's ordering takeaway do you know I don't know yeah. I mean, he, I mean, here I'd imagine it'd be maybe a Chinese restaurant's biggest busiest day, or one of the busiest days anyway. I don't know. I don't know. You've sprung this bouquet <laughs> of fucking fried chicken on me. I don't, I don't have any stats or. Do you know what the worst thing is, right? When Usually you, I'm the one. Fifty percent of this yeah, in this survey said fried <laughs> fucking chicken bouquet. No one wants to hear that shit. The worst thing about it is, not only do you get obviously a bouquet of flowers and chicken but you actually have to put the fucking thing together yourself also you, it's not even <laughs> constructive yeah. you get a DOA so you get your chicken your skewers your vase your labels whatever it is and I don't even know how the chicken's cooked or not cooked I'm not sure but basically you have to put it together yourself as well. it's a bit tra- tragic there's always something and this is why I love America so much as our listeners will know um, there are certain things that work there that wouldn't work anywhere else and this is this one, is of, one them. of them. This is a bouquet of fried chicken. It's absolutely ridiculous. Carry on. Melania Trump would be delighted, though. She would, yeah. The other, Donald. The, the, the Don. He's not back on Twitter, yeah? Haven't seen him yet. That's because Elon hasn't taken no, over No, yet. he's not tried yet, anyway. No, no, no. Give it, give it, Fake give it account. a few weeks. Give it a few weeks and be back on. Well, we've talked before about the whole area of agencies and, you know, even working with big brands like this. And this, I would say bright idea but it's not is um a campaign under their new strategic and creative lead agency mullen law so that's one of their new big bright spark ideas that they're after coming out with now finger licking good campaign no keep <laughs> if i said that now you give out to me <laughs> we'll wrap it up on that now before we do get in any more trouble so thanks again for listening thanks to Owen, our producer Um, you can subscribe follow us on social media and we'll be back again next week and check out tiktok dave's been doing a lot of work on tiktok this last week which generally speaking makes me one look like up there just before we came on as well as not as there oh, so you can follow us on TikTok. i have students like i have to maintain some level of 
like authority in the classroom, which is just gonna go because of this fucking podcast. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching.